and welcome to the movies. A pretty self-explanatory podcast. My name is Daniel Berrios, and I thank you for listening to the inaugural episode of this new podcast, where today I'm going to be talking about George Clooney's newest film, The Tender Bar, based off a memoir written by J.R. Moringer around 2005. It's a story about J.R.'s childhood growing up without his dad, and instead growing up in his grandfather's house, grandfather played by Christopher Lloyd, uh, staying with his mom, played by Lily Rabe, and growing up under the tutelage of JR's Uncle Charlie, played by Ben Affleck. Uh, to mention JR, we see him in the movie through him being a child and him being a young man, respectively played by Daniel Rainieri and Ty Sheridan. And the movie is a kind of reflective film. Reading some interviews that George Clooney gave about it, uh, Clooney grew up with an uncle who lived above a bar, Uncle George, both named the same, uh, both named the same. And Clooney grew up around the same time that Jr. did, around the 1970s. Uh, Clooney was 11 years old, and so there are a lot of these little touches. Uh, these details about the time period, a lot of music, just bombast. Uh, the film definitely has like a sepia tone. It's warm. It's it's got that nostalgic feel to it. I can't really put my finger on it, but there is that sort of warmth and focusing on just like the little things. Like if you're at a dinner table with Jr. and all of his cousins and his family, there's just piles of food and there's chaos and the noise and it's just people shooting little knowing glances at each other uh, one of my favorite scenes is watching uh, uncle charlie slip a jr a fiver and you know somebody across the table kind of catches a glance at it but doesn't really say anything it's full of those little uh, intimate character details that make something like this a little bit better than your average coming-of-age fare. This is a coming-of-age film, and, you know, there's a lot of... You know, if we hung out for about a half hour, and I told you the plot of this... If I told you kind of, like, the premise of this movie, I'm pretty sure in half an hour we could figure out what the movie's about or, like, what happens in it. But it's watching the interactions between Rhaenyra and Affleck, Rhaenyra and Lloyd, Rhaenyra and Rabe... Uh, Everybody's interactions with each other make this movie special. And watching Clooney's take on it against screenwriter William Monaghan's take on it, Monaghan being the screenwriter behind The Departed, uh, against a little bit of the memoir that I was able to read, you get different perspectives. I feel like uh, Moringer and Monaghan explore more of, uh, I guess the psychological issues that JR has. There's a little bit more waxing poetic and self-analysis about what it's like to grow up without a father and what, what it's like to go hunting through your life, searching for, I guess, a strong sense of masculinity. And it is strange approaching the subject. I mean, but in the time period that we live in now when our understanding of gender and especially our language's relationship to gender is so different because why would you ascribe personality traits based on whether someone has a penis nor a vagina? That's kind of weird. 
but I guess back then and back in when uh, Moringer grew up and the way he approached his life, I don't know how he's, uh, I don't know how he would take to me talking about this, but it's something I just thought about was interesting that you've got two different forces one of JR's father, whom he only knows through the radio. His dad's a radio DJ, and he's got what's called the voice. That baritone, like, this is the top of the hour on KWXI, uh, New York's finest. KWXI, New York's finest today. Yeah, something like that. And every time they turn on the radio, his mom shuts it off, or his aunts do something different. And, uh, I, forgive me, I'm recording this actually on my phone, so I just want to make sure, okay, it is still recording. <laughs> I'm sorry, my computer has crapped out. My computer is on its last legs. I don't have enough money for a new one, so I'm recording on my phone. I hope you will all forgive me. I guarantee this will get better as we go along. So, no edits, just raw and dirty, the way we like it. Anyway... You've got uh, this force, the dad, whom in the screenplay and the memoir, at least what I've read of the memoir, doesn't pop up as an actual character as often as it does in Clooney's movie. But Clooney's movie definitely is showing more of the dichotomy between two different men. One whom the dad just seems to intrude on the film. And it's cool how Clooney always puts him in a position where even within the frame, he's like he's something you can't take your eyes off of, but not in a good way. He always sticks out like a sore thumb. Uh, along with editor Tanya Swirling, Clooney kind of crafts this sort of gentle, rocking hammock of a film where you mostly go and watch these little vignettes of JR, you know, impressing the guys at the bar or jr kind of like learning some life lessons from charlie or uh going to the beach with charlie's friends you know stuff like that and then the dad will just kind of pop in and it happens abruptly and even the car takes up the frame in a weird way and the dad dresses in a place that's so radically different than the warmth that we've seen up to that point where he's just a selfish person in that sense even when he's being self-deprecating it's always looking inward it's always trying to drag people into his center of gravity and ben affleck's charlie is just not like that and it's so weird because ben affleck is such a big movie star but the way he's playing it and again i don't know if this is a combination of his acting and clooney's direction and swirling's choices of what take to use but Affleck simultaneously plays an 11 year old superhero this guy who you can just look up to and be inspired and want to learn all the life lessons from but at the same time he's his own guy and he is aloof and distant on purpose He's not going to hold, Charlie's not going to hold JR's hand through life. He's not going to hold JR's hand through dealing with a girlfriend or dealing with his insecurity or even looking for a father figure. He's just going to kind of gently nudge him in the right direction and just make sure the kid doesn't fall down. 
And that distance along with that kind of inspiration is something that I find would be so hard to pull off correctly. And it would be so easy to sway in another way, but it never really happens. It's uh, it's a really cool performance from Affleck. And I mean, he gets a lot of great one-liners and he gets a lot of scenes where he gets to be a little bit showy and he's got these wonderful you know chops these like mutton chops that he's wearing through some of the film and the the 70s hair that looks you know super fluffy but uh i don't know affleck's just really good in it uh, let me talk about the combo of the boys that play jr rainieri really good young actor he's able to hold his own very well against a lot of some big heavy hitters and it's a tender performance uh, <laughs> take a shot every time I might say the word tender in this review, but uh, it's it's a it's a it's a sweet performance, and it's a performance that doesn't seem like he's just a precocious kid, or trying to full house his way into being the center of attention. He just plays it natural, and I, I don't know. I found his presence comforting. <laughs> He's definitely coming off like just a regular kid. And again, you don't know how much of this is direction or not, but I don't know. Whenever I was watching the kid on screen, he just works. He just works for me. Similarly, Ty Sheridan is like that. And I guess with older actors, I can kind of tell a little bit more about the nuances of their performance. or Either that or maybe it's just easier to do it. Maybe I just need to educate myself a little bit more. But Sheridan has always kind of gotten lost within the whole white guys that are like white guys with brown hair in their early 20s uh, see that the sea of those guys Sheridan kind of lost me. Um, I was interested in movies like Mud and Joe, but uh, like X-Men Apocalypse. So it's just kind of like the last real big thing I'd seen him in. But what I really like about Sheridan is that he's able to, again, be kind of like the average everyday kid, but show off just these little like slices of himself whenever he's being super insecure or vulnerable or snarky or frustrated. He just, it's almost like he's trying to like retreat. It's almost like he's trying to keep reserved but you see these white hot flashes of vulnerability, just naked emotion, especially when he's mad. Just these these ticks in his face, like he's been trying to hold back for so long, and at just one glance you watch him like completely lose it, but still maintain that composure because I guess that's what the character is uh, feeling at that time. But I really love the way Sheridan's able to pull that off, and he's super funny, and he's able to be he's sympathetic uh and when he's pathetic he's also really pathetic so i don't know i just like that just those white hot flashes of naked vulnerability i really enjoyed that about sheridan's performance um i like the i'm gonna mention tanya swirling again the editing uh there's cuts that are in here that are just super funny this, the way this movie kind of transitions from one moment to another, whether it be f uh, following the flow of vignettes or whenever the movie just kind of stops to bring up the dad character or whenever the movie is ready to punch in a joke. It just flows so well. I love the rhythm of this thing. 
And all through and all, there's this voiceover played by the oldest JR. JR is an adult. Uh, Ron Livingston plays him as an adult. And it kind of gives the movie a Wonder Years vibe. This movie feels like the Wonder Years meets Boyhood in some ways. Whereas Boyhood feels raw, this one definitely feels more kind of like back to basics coming of age. But not in a schmaltzy or a contrived way. I found that Clooney is operating on some sort of like, he's like relaxed and comfortable you know, he'll, he just knows where to put the camera to make this kind of palatable story, the story that's both universal and specific, work, but not in a way that just seems rote or trite. It's, he just knows how to shoot it. He knows how to give everybody in the cast their little moment to shine, these little snippets of cool interaction that makes me endear, like, makes me endear myself to them. And I think that comfort is cool. Uh, I've got a buddy, a fellow critic, Liam Gawhan. He writes for Collider and Dallas Observer, uh, Taste of Cinema, etc. He described Clooney's direction, and this is something similar to like Ron Howard, where it's kind of this journeyman director. It's, it's one of those guys that like you give this person a project, and they just know how to handle it. They've got their own perspective, but it never feels forced on the audience or forced on the story. It's just kind of there, and it's comfortable. And I and I like that about this film. It does feel comfortable. Uh, the one thing that I will say I would detract from it a little bit, and it's not really a detraction, but it's something that I feel like when you're watching it, you might struggle a bit. There's a part where JR is in college. That section of the film can really drag down, and I think it's because the movie's built up the desires and goals of the kid JR to be in one direction and suddenly in college it flips completely and it can get kind of frustrating and annoying but I also found that that frustration that I might feel watching the film mirrors the character's inner frustrations because he's got some things he's got to work out and despite you know all the lessons that you can get from a cool as hell Ben Affleck some things in this life you just got to learn for yourself. And so while that might be a struggle for some watching the film, I found that it properly mirrors what the character is feeling. So whenever you finally, you know, and it doesn't feel like a spoiler to say, like whenever he finally gets his stuff together. Because, you know, it's a memoir. That's how that's, that, they even make jokes about memoirs and how publishing is going the way of the memoir. It's, it's a cute little inside thing. Uh, even when you get to the end where he's getting his stuff together, because you've dealt with that frustration along with the character, it makes the end result feel so much worthwhile. So, yeah, I don't have too much to say. Oh, let me, before I go, Lily Rabe, I worry some might take her performance as melodramatic, a little bit too soap opery, like Jersey Mom, uh, puts all the, you know, lost dreams that she had on her son and wants to like put him on a pedestal and like here you are the final hope of this family uh it might be grating for some and i don't want people to attribute it to her performance it's definitely in the screenplay and she, what i love about clooney is he actually gives her and share it in a couple moments where it's just quiet 
And that's one of the things I liked about Clooney's direction in this too, is that even though you've got these sort of archetypal, loud, slightly overdramatic characters, he always knows when to give them moments where they can kind of drop their veneer or drop their sort of archetype and really explore some kind of um, like deep human moment. There's moments of just quiet in this one that I've really, really enjoyed. So yeah, I just wanted to say Lily Ray did a great job. I like watching her and things. I'll watch her and more things to come, I hope. And uh, that's it for the tender bar. I don't know exactly when this is coming out on Amazon Prime. I checked yesterday, I want to say Christmas Eve, and it still wasn't up. So I don't know if it's coming out early in the new year or maybe this Friday or right before. I don't know. But whenever the tender bar does show up on Amazon Prime or whenever it shows up in your theater, I would recommend you go see it. I wouldn't drop it as like the, oh, the family movie for the holidays. It's definitely a hard R, a lot of F-bombs or some drinking, you know. It's it's the 70s and New York, what are you going to do? <laughs> but I do recommend it. I love the Ben Affleck performance in this. I think this is something that if you're a Ben Affleck fan, it's going to be right up your alley. Just watching him be cool as hell. But I also think it's a solid, just reflective, nostalgic piece. I think George Clooney, reading an interview that he did about this film, it seems like Clooney is at a point in his life where he wants to look back a little bit, kind of look at the lessons that he learned from the people that he loved in his life and really tap into it. And I think it's that sort of like elder statesman vibe where, you know, let me see where I've been and see if I can maybe like show other people like the lessons that helped me so they can push a little bit forward. And, you know, as I, it's done earnestly. It's done, you know, as, you know, it's a movie that you've seen before, but God, it is in no way cynical about it. And it could so easily be cynical. It could so just easily be shameless. And I really don't think it is. I really did enjoy this film so go watch the tender bar that's my recommendation and if you have seen the tender bar you know let me know i don't know if spotify has comments now but you can always hit me up on twitter at the movies underscore pod and that's gonna be it for me i know that i said that this was a self-explanatory podcast but if you'll indulge me i'll take a minute to talk about what i kind of want to do for the show and again i thank you for listening to the inaugural episode of this new podcast I kind of wanted to treat this as like an audio magazine slash journal. You know, I, I'm not really going to follow any set rhyme or reason. I just kind of want to follow my heart and see what I'm into. Uh, I'll let you know for upcoming episodes. I'm thinking about covering Spider-Man because, God forbid, trying to avoid spoilers is like avoiding a minefield where they're just lobbing them at you. It's like the never-ending game of Minesweeper out there. And I finally got to watch that movie. And I'm also a massive Spider-Man fan. Spider-Man is my favorite superhero. I want to talk about that. Uh, I want to talk about Jane Campion, because I've never seen any one of her films. And the fact that she's been making movies for 30 years, and not only have I not seen her films, but I didn't know what they were until a quick Google search. It's kind of stunning. So I wanted to cover her. I... Uh, love 
covering actors that I think are underrated. Uh, in my earlier iteration of a podcast called the Daniel Barrios podcast, I started covering the filmography of Rachel McAdams, and I want to continue doing that because I really love her acting. Uh, just things that kind of come in and out. I'll cover new films, old films. I want this to be a place where everybody who listens to this feels comfortable in sharing the type of movies they want to talk about. You know, it can be an old black and white movie. It can be the newest thing. It can be something esoteric. It can be something mind-numbingly stupid. I just don't want anyone to think that because they love, you know, the movies that they've only seen in their massive mega mall theater that they can't appreciate maybe films that others would deem to be kind of snobbish or art house. Like, I want to just... Everybody can engage in this type of art. And I want this place to be a place where people can engage in art without feeling like they're going to be judged or th people are going to think they're stupid if they don't get it or if they don't like it or if they don't, you know, want to mess with it. So, that's my little spiel. I hope you'll return for the next episodes of the movies. And again, I thank you for listening. My name is Daniel Berrios, and until next time, y'all take care.